Well, welcome. If you're a visitor here, I'm not the pastor. And uh, this is a second period for me because I just preached the same message next door. So this is the first time I've ever done that back to back. So uh, we've had, we had quite a nice group over there. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a bird's eye view of the book of Isaiah. And as I was thinking about what to share, every, every message that I thought about the book of Isaiah came to mind because there's, it's so rich and full of truths about God. Um, when I looked in my notebook, actually it was March 14th was the day I first began to read Isaiah and take notes on it. And that was the beginning of our quarantine and I was teaching eighth graders online, which was not a good time. Um, but I had some extra time in my hands. So I was able to sit down and, and do some study of the book of Isaiah. You know, as a young Christian, I learned uh, an acronym called ACTS. If we could go to the next slide. Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And we were taught how to use that as sort of a format to organize our prayers so that our prayers weren't just a grocery list of asking God, you know, I need this and this and this and this. And recently I was challenged to use this acronym in studying the Bible. And I'd never really done that, so I thought, well, here's an opportunity to use this to study the book of Isaiah, all right? So the message today is I'm simply going to share how God blessed me using this format and how I still use it today, all right? And I would like to say this is not coming from a spiritual giant, okay? I mean, wow, this guy studied the book of Isaiah, you know what? It's, it's in your Bible too, all right? You, you could spend some time in it and really, really be blessed. Um, the book of Isaiah is full of adoration. I just want to just read real quick. Here's a quick list, and this is probably about a quarter of what's in there. These are some names and descriptions of God from the book of Isaiah. The Holy One of Israel, by the way, is mentioned 25 times. Lord of hosts, mighty one of Israel, the terror of the Lord, the splendor of his majesty, perfectly just judge the holy God, holy, 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 God is sovereign, Emmanuel with us, your fear, your dread, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, majestic one, Messiah, God is my salvation, strength, and song, his name is exalted, almighty, God's throne will be established in steadfast love, faithfulness, holy one of Israel, God of your salvation, rock of your refuge, the God of Israel, the righteous one, the Lord God, teacher, God of justice, gracious rock of Israel, the stability of our times, our king, the glory and majesty of the Lord, enthroned above the cherubim, God alone, creator, maker, all-powerful, great physician, everlasting God, understanding is unsearchable, the first and the last, your God, redeemer, your savior, comforter, he reigns, inhabits eternity, an everlasting light, loves justice, splendid in apparel, Mighty to save, greatness of his strength. I could go, I could be done. That would be good, all right? That's just from the book of Isaiah, and that's just a, a, a short picture of it, right? The idea of confession, you know, as you read through the chapters, in some of the chapters, there are some specific confessions that are made by the people in the book. And oftentimes, when I would read it, I would be reminded of things that I need to confess. Most often, the thing I needed to confess was not recognizing who God claimed to be in that book, right? The, the chapters are full of thanksgiving. Uh, supplication simply means to supply. And there are some specific 
uh, supplications in the book of Isaiah, but there's also uh, room to consider the ones that you have for yourself. And what I've been doing with this recently, I've been reading through the book of Romans, like three or four verses at a time, because it is so full. And before I start my quiet time, I'll go to the chapter of the day, like today is what, the seventh? So the sixth? No wonder I was wrong, no. And I would go to Isaiah 6 or Isaiah 36 and look at my notes and get a description of who God is. And it just gets my heart set right to begin reading his word. So we're going to take a few minutes here, and we're going to go through Isaiah chapter 25. If you have a Bible, you can grab it. If not, we're going to have the verses up on the screen. So let's take a look. Let's start with Isaiah 25, verses 1 to 9. We're going to talk about adoration. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful, and sure. That verse is full of adoration of God. You know, something that jumped out at me is the first line, O Lord, you are my God. Brenda and I had the privilege of uh, studying the book of Daniel with another couple. And it really struck me how King Nebuchadnezzar, who's one of the key players in the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar talks to Daniel and says, surely your God will do this and this and this. By the time we get to chapter 3, he says, blessed is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He still doesn't get it. But by the time we get to chapter 4, where he's been a wild animal for seven years, living out in the wild, he responds, I bless the Most High God. He finally got it, that that God can be his personal God. Same for you and I. The idea of exalt is to hold in high regard, superior, lofty. Um, The thing that plans formed of old, faithful, and sure shows that God is sovereign, that he's in control, that he's faithful, and he's dependable, all right? The next verse, chapter 2, for you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. It will never be rebuilt. We can go to verse 2. Again, that to me is just a picture of God's power, that he is all-powerful, that he's omnipotent. Verse 3, therefore strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. How cool to think that in the future, God's enemies will glorify him and that the the fear, that's a proper fear, that they will rever God, all right, revere him. Uh, Something interesting about glory in chapter uh, 43, verse 7 in Isaiah, it explains why you and I are here in the first place, not just in this church, but on this earth, this is God speaking, who I have created for my glory. That's why we're here. We're not here for us. We're here for God's glory. Verse four, for you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. Pretty amazing to think that God is our stronghold and our shelter. And just a simple example of how I could, you know, use this is to think of, you know, I could take ACTS and just think of God about being a shelter, 
That's, that's who he is. God is our shelter. My confession could be that I run to the wrong places often for shelter instead of running to God. My thanksgiving could be that God provides me a shelter, right? And my supplication would be that I would run to that shelter first. That that would be my first choice. So again, this is not a detailed theological study. This is a picture of the great God that we serve. Verse 5 says, Like heat in a dry place, you subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. We live in a noisy time. There is a whole lot of noise going on. God promises that someday he will subdue that. And you and I have the choice of stepping away from that noise of the day and getting into a quiet place and spending some time with him. Verse 6 says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. All right? Uh, this reminds me of Shane's messages the past few weeks. God is a God of all peoples. Right? We're not, we're not a, a, a significant, you, you know, unique, only godly race because we're white. God died for all the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What a promise for all peoples. Verse nine, or excuse me, verse seven. What an amazing promise. He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. So I was thinking about what is that covering and what is that veil? It's the curse of death caused by sin. That is the covering and the veil that God promised in the book of Isaiah that he would swallow up, which he did in Jesus. He swallowed up that curse of death. In verse 8, God promises he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. I'm thinking there might be an amen or two out there that he will swallow up death forever. That's amazing. Sharon Hodgson said in the last uh, set here, I'm sure she was thinking about her husband in the last two weeks that went, that had death swallowed up. You know, one of my favorite new songs is Graves into Gardens. The promise that those graves are going to be swallowed up by Jesus' death and resurrection. Verse 9, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So this was a promise to the people of Israel that they were going to be brought to a point where they would recognize that God was their God. Hopefully that would be true for you and I as well. So, crash course on just looking for things that are true about God and to adore him, to recognize that that's who he is. As far as confession goes, no particular confession other than if you jump down later on, it talks about, in verse 11 it says, and he will spread out his hands in the midst of it as a swimmer spreads his hands out to swim. 
but the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. God has a dim view of pride, right? In fact, John or James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. So as I think about this chapter, I could confess the battle that I have with pride. I'm sure none of you have that problem. Um, I could confess my lack of trust in who he is, my failure to wait on him, right? And again, my self-important pride that I deal with. So that's confession. How about thanksgiving? I just made a list here from these verses. Now, when I did this, I would get sort of stuck. Now, is this adoration or is this thanksgiving? Don't matter, right? <laughs> right? I don't think God's going to be disappointed if we got that question wrong, right? You have done wonderful things. You will make a feast for all people. He will swallow up the covering, the veil, the pall of death, cast over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. He will wipe away tears from all faces. He will take away the reproach, the appearance of being abandoned of his people from all the earth. What a great promise that must be for the nation of Israel because I'm sure many times throughout their history they have felt abandoned. And then supply. So as I think about this chapter, some things that would come to mind. Help me live today like I believe that you are who you say you are. That can be a, a request every day. That I would live today like I believe that you are who you say you are. I heard someone say on, not long ago, he was talking about living like an atheist. Do you guys, or think about when do you live like an atheist? Sometimes I get so busy with my agenda, I don't even have time to think about the fact that God exists. Isn't that living like an atheist? Living as if there was no loving father out there who wants to be intimately acquainted with all my ways. All right? I could, uh, my, another supply that I would live like there is an eternity, not just living for the moment. All throughout chapter 25, all throughout the book of Isaiah is the promise of eternity. And that I would be faithful to share this amazing truth about God swallowing up death forever. Shane's been talking about going public and what a, what a privilege we have of doing that. So again, that might seem like, wow, in, in a, you know, I've got a lot of pages here, but my notes for chapter 26, or excuse me, chapter 25, is all right here. That's, that's the notes for that chapter. All right. Now, I do have to admit that my schedule is a little bit crazier than it was in March. So I'm not reading a chapter of Isaiah today. I'm reading three or four verses in Romans and going back to the book of Isaiah and being reminded of who I'm reading about. Some other truths, and this is sort of the bird's eye view, and we could spend hours, but promise not to. Some other amazing truths about God mentioned in Isaiah. God was moved to compassion for Moab. Moab was Israel's enemy, but God was moved. God even has compassion for his enemies because God so loved the world. 
In all of Israel's affliction, God was afflicted. When you and I suffer, God feels our pain. God suffers with us. He brings disaster on those who trust in chariots and do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. I'm no prophet, but is it possible that God has brought the disaster that we're facing in our country? Don't know, but he's still God. How about he casts all my sins behind his back? What an amazing promise. And then in chapter 23, we have the whole chapter of the suffering servant, a picture of what the Messiah would be like when he came. We're going to finish with just a couple verses here from Isaiah 33 that really struck me during this uh, pandemic time. Verse 2, if we could go to the next slide. O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning. That's our strength, our salvation in time of trouble. Verse 5, the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. Looking forward to that day. And verse 6, and he will be the stability of your times, abundance of salvation, wisdom, knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. That just hit me right between the eyes when I first read that, that he would be the stability of your times. Do we live in unstable times? Wow. Don't watch the news, okay? These are not stable times, but God is stable. He's our stability, not the newsroom. 5920, God promises a redeemer will come to Zion. Now, this was written about 500 years before Christ. Those people were looking forward to the Messiah coming. We're looking back at the fact that Jesus came as our Redeemer. And the final one here, I had to throw this in, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and will bear and will carry and will save. Now, last group, I'll tell you, last group had a lot of old people in it, okay? But there might be someone here. I see a couple gray hairs. What a promise when we get old that God is going to carry us. I have to throw this in. I teach with a bunch of younger, mostly lady teachers. All right? And we had to watch this video on Title IX, which is about sex and age discrimination. And any time they make some comment about my age, I just go, Title IX. All right. And they be, well, they behave for a few more minutes. Okay, last, last thing. So the question I'm going to leave you with, is this your God? Is this your God? Or is this the God you've heard others talk about, like Nebuchadnezzar? Or is this the God you're just beginning to know? Or is this not who you want God to be? Because it's one you can't control. So the question is, is this your God? You know, the, the four symbols there, I had the privilege of sharing this Thursday morning at FCA. See, Blaine's got his heart set on Wednesdays because we're, we're changed to Wednesdays because there's donuts, all right? But last week, we met on Thursdays without donuts. It was pretty hard. But I had the chance to share this, these four symbols with about 50 students. And this is an, uh, when I was traveling to Georgia in January... I had an FCA t-shirt on, and a gentleman come up to me, 
and started talking to me, and he was a regional director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And he gave me, took his bracelet off his wrist and gave it to me. And it's called The Four. It's four simple truths about getting to know God. The heart stands for God loves you. The division sign is that sin separates. In fact, Isaiah 59.2 says that sin separates us from, from you and your God. The cross is that Jesus rescues you. And the question mark is that will you trust Jesus? John 17.3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So my prayer for you today is that you would know the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. He's in the book. Get in the book. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful that we live in a nation that still allows us to worship you freely, that we have an abundance of Bibles. Probably many of us have them on our bookshelves. Hopefully they're not covered in dust. If they are, Lord, help us to make the effort to wipe off the dust and to open them and to meet you because you're there every morning, every time that we come to you, you desire to spend that time with us. Pray that we would take the effort to meet with you, to thank God. Forgive us for thinking that it's a duty. It's something we should do. God, it's a privilege that you invite us into your life and that we can spend eternity with you. Help us to have that attitude and to be open to freely share that with those around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.